Have fun plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with the best outdoor coolers and drinkware. Celebrating 10 years of cool, Orca was founded in 2012, born from the idea of making a hard-sided cooler that beat out all the rest. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class maximum temperature retention. Orca's drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours, and they look great while doing it. Their stainless steel vacuum-sealed tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off. Orca, make it last. Hey, y'all, I want to let you know we've teamed up with our friends at PickShop.com. They have an app, the Picks app. It is a new awesome thing that we're we're moving a lot of our stuff to. We're moving tastings there. We're moving posts there. We're not going to leave Instagram and Facebook and all the other places, but Picks is this really cool thing that we're getting to build with them. We're getting to build how you post. We're getting to build how you go ahead and put in a tasting, and these tastings will match you up to other people and other whiskeys that you are very compatible with based off of what you've put in for your tastings. There's so much stuff. I can't even tell you enough in a minute, but go to pickshop.com, hit the link, get the app, get in there, start tasting, start posting, be a part of the community. We're going to be there. You should be there too. Go to pickshop.com and get the app. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. Zeke Baker is on assignment, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us part of your day. Today is a very special day. I know that we had the Spirited Hive folks on a couple weeks ago, maybe more than a couple weeks, but I am obsessed with RTDs right now. I find RTDs to be like super interesting to me. Not only how do you get them to taste good? How do you get them to keep? How do you get the ingredients? How do you do all that other stuff? And there's one brand, I was talking to this gentleman earlier this year, and we really should have done a podcast probably about six months ago. And just 2022 got away from us and we're now doing it. But that's Tom Macy from Social Hour Cocktails. Now these cocktails are a little bit different. I want him to talk to you about them. But it's not just like, hey, we put ginger and bourbon in a can. Like there is a Harvest Whiskey Sour that has 13-year-old George Dickel, Honey Crisp Apple, Meyer Lemon, Cinnamon Maple, Cardamom Cocktail. Like these are premium ingredients that you're putting in. So obviously I have a lot of questions for this guy. They have a Pacific Spritz. Sunkiss Fizz, Whiskey Mule, Gin and Tonic, Alora Spritz, Prize Fighter. We're going to talk about all of these, and we are going to talk to my friend Tom Macy. I can't talk tonight, Tom. I was reading and stumbling over myself at the same time. You have a lot of excuse. <laughs> there are, and you just started with three, and now you have one, like six or seven. Seven, including the Harvest Sour, yeah, which is sort of a limited run. Well, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm super psyched. I mean, I was like so excited to see the post last, whenever it was, February, that you guys enjoyed the Harvest Sour. It really put wind in my sails. And so I'm, I'm pumped to, and like, I'm a, I'm just, I'm pumped to nerd out and go down the rabbit hole. So I'm, yeah, what, what do you want to know? Well, there's so much I want to know. And I just want to say, like, before we even get started, normally we talk about these cocktails later on. You know, we do a tasting later on. There's a lot of ice in my glass. It's going to get watery. I might as well get it out right now. This Harvest Sour. So for knowing that I had to share these with other people in my house, I didn't want to take everything up here. I took the prize fighter and I took the Harvest Sour for this one. I figured I would stick to the whiskey ones. I do really want to try that whiskey mule, though. I did not try that before and that looks great and i love a good gin and tonic i love the pacific spritz the sunkiss fizz they both look good but i went for two of the whiskey ones the prize fighter and the whiskey sour but the whiskey sour i swear to you it tastes like apple pie in a can Mm -hmm. like and this is not just like oh yeah guys it tastes like apple pie like ish like this tastes like you could put vanilla ice cream on it and just like it, good. it's thick. 
it is just super good and it tastes like apple pie and uh 20 abv yes the <laughs> other thing that really messed me up i will just admit this for sure yeah so if you look at it, you have to read the can because the can says this serves three. I did not read the can the first time and I poured it all in my glass. It's a, it's, I mean, it's very easy to drink a whole one and it's, I really, I mean, I, I'll be frank, honestly, I think I see it as really two cocktails. So my background is in craft cocktail bartending. I was the beverage director for many years at this cocktail bar called the Clover Club and, um, Brooklyn. And uh, so really with the whole idea with social hours, like I was looking to take what we do behind the bar and put it in a can, you know, no sacrificing quality and fully shelf stable. I can sort of talk about the process of getting to where we are now, but the harvest sour was, I never would have imagined that we would be able to do like a sour, like citrus forward cocktail. You know, they initially, they were all carbonated, um, much more in line with like the RTDs you see now. And I'm very proud of those, but that just seemed a lot more attainable. I do a ton of R&D and um, with the harvest sour. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do, so Nicole Austin, right? George Dickel. She and I go back a little ways. She, when she was at Kings County Distillery as a head distiller, she would come to Clover Club and we would, you know, rap about whatever, um, nerding out about stuff. And she was one of the first people I said I talked to about like, hey, I want to do cocktails in a can or something and or in a bottle. And uh, when I finally did do it, I reached out just to say, hey, I finally did this thing. I did the thing and sent her some, not expecting anything. I just wanted to be like her to, to know that I did it. And she got back and she was like, these are amazing. And, you know, would you ever want to do a collaboration? And so, of course, I was like, yes, <laughs> you know. And she was like, what do you want to do? And the first thing I thought it was like, I want to do fall. I want, like all the RTDs are so summer focused and, you know, it's a very short season, you know, and for your kind of would like to expand the calendar a little bit for the business. And um, when I was bartending, as soon as it would become fall, like these whiskey sours with whatever cinnamon, clove and allspice would just fly. It's the pumpkin spice latte effect. You know, people just they just flock to them. There's this like zombie like like we need it. So I have and this so big problem not to cut you off. No, no. And I think I know where you're going that I feel like I saw it in some of the comments. So there's a big joke because like pumpkin spice latte season keeps going earlier and earlier. Like August 1st, the signs are up. Get your pumpkin. Yeah, I'm totally. like, it's 110 degrees outside. I don't want a pumpkin spice latte. That being said, I love whiskey sours and I mm -hmm. will drink them all year. And I don't necessarily think like, yes, this tastes like apple pie. I am completely okay if this goes into August. I'm completely okay if this goes into November, December, January, February, March. Like, I just want you to know my runway to drink this is not just like, hey, it has to be September, October, November. You're not the first person to say that. And that is good to hear. And actually, we did, we did continue to sell it like into the spring. But yeah, uh, anyway, that the, the, you know, the idea with Social Hour is like I said, like a, it's what we do behind the bar in a can. So, that means that the eight there's like some doll of my kids that's like, can you hear like no. the Barbie doll singing? <laughs> it's like broken, and so it sounds like it's like it's dying, you know. But it's like this song. It's like one like phrase from a anyway from like this Barbie musical called Rock and Royals. Um, anyway, I have uh, seen it many times. I've yeah, I've right? also seen the it's big like, city, big city, big dreams. Uh, that. my kids are, are they're past it now but i honestly i like i like some of the songs in rocket royals i think they're pretty good yeah oh so uh, that's the one where they have the two camps right yes and they like switch yeah the, like, and barbie goes to the rock camp becomes the princess and the princess becomes like a rocker and then they have like the mashup like concert showdown that ends up being like a mat yeah i like the uh, one where they go to the castle and barbie ends up being like a dead ringer for this princess for this other country and then oh and I don't know if I remember that one. And then they end and up they, having a big like, concert too. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> then it always ends in a concert. Yeah, no, that's it. Right. So I was saying the ABV thing, the whole point uh, is that we're doing real cocktails. So a whiskey sour, you know, two ounces of whiskey, three quarter ounces of lemon juice, three quarter ounces of simple syrup, some dilution from shaking with ice. It's going to be about 20%. That's just like what a whiskey sour is. Our cans are 8.4 ounce, 250 milliliter cans. That's what, our, and we have like, you know, our gin and tonics and that that's a perfect size for that. For this, we're a very small company. I'm pretty much the whole company. <laughs> um, and so you know, I just did not have the bandwidth to get a smaller can. So basically, you know, George Dickel is owned by Diageo. 
and also if you do you know how you if you go to the like the FDA recommended serving size of alcohol is technically for spirits 1.5 ounces of 40% alcohol which is like come on you know yeah. but by that metric there is technically 2.7 servings in the harvest sour so it says serves 3 on the can <laughs> i really enjoy like when you go to the doctor and they're oh, like yeah. how many drinks like, do you how have many drinks a week? and yeah, it's right. like well if we're going 1.5 ounces at 40% abv right. like um, a night you know <laughs> like just like point me to the direction of a meeting yeah no i know I started being honest about that eventually. I was like, what? I mean, well, you know, being in the bartending world, like for all those years, it's like, you know, it's just, it's just what it is. Like how many strawfuls a night did I do to check my drink? Totally. Yeah. Oh man, back in the day, like, yeah, like the double straw all the way to the bottom of the glass. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I'm with yeah. you. I bartended as well. I don't want to skip over this because I feel like we could go right into social hour, but it's not necessarily telling your whole story and everything about you that has gone into social hour. And that is, you know, so you started at the Clover Club and I, I want you to tell the story. You were a bar back. Julie hired you and you worked yeah. your way up. Yeah. So I, um, you know, it was like I was you know, like everybody else pursuing acting in New York City and in my early 20s and then working at a restaurant. It was right around like, you know, 2005, six, seven, when the cocktail thing started to happen. And so just through doing shift, you know, trying shift drinks and stuff, I got interested in cocktails and I started making them at home. And, you know, it's this big rabbit hole. It's a really cool and, you know, drinking is fun, but it's just there's this whole uncovered world, and especially then like all these books, Dave Wondrich's book and vibe came out, you know, and like, so I was like, okay, I'm working in a restaurant. I actually have an interest in some field in the hospitality industry now. Uh, I'm going to try to, I want to bartend. And I had no experience. And so I knew that I couldn't get a job bartending. So I had to bar back. And like, it was just crazy. Like I went on Craigslist and there was a thing of like Clover Club open call barbacks in a week. And I showed up and there was like 50 people. And, Cause it was like 2000, this is 2009. So like, you know, great recession, like wall street crash, like, and, um, I love how you were auditioning for parts that's, and like you had the same type of process to be a bar. I like, and it was like, I, like, it was the big break that like, didn't like happen in my acting career. Like I walked in and I, and I got hired as a barback like that day and it was real hard. Um, I mean, I was, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Cause I was like hosting before that and like 12 hour shifts closing at three, yeah, it's two in the morning, getting done at three, three 30. And like, it was real tough. I mean, like the head bartender at the time, this guy, Giuseppe Gonzalez, like he, he's a rock star. He's awesome. But like, he was tough, man. Anyway, so I really took my lumps that first year. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, I just, I was so lucky because this is 2009. It's like right when Brooklyn and cocktails were blowing up. And there weren't enough like bartenders in New York that had that skill set of that type of bartending, you know, with measuring the jiggers and all the, the syrups and all that. Um, and so it was a lot easier for Julie and, and team to train from within, you know, train green people, which was me. And I was, you know, super enthusiastic. And, you know, like I said, there weren't a lot of bartenders that knew that style of bartending, but the ones that did like all worked at Clover Club because Julie Reiner is, I mean, I should have prefaced it with this. Like she is legitimately one of the pioneers of the modern cocktail movement. She opened the Flatiron Lounge in 2003 in the Flatiron District. And it was like the first high volume cocktail bar in New York City. It just changed everything. And then she opened Pegu Club two uh, years later which even like raised the bar even more. She like absolutely is like one of the pillars of this modern cocktail renaissance. So um, then she opened Clover Club, which was like the first cocktail bar in Brooklyn, which I started working at like nine months in. And yeah, I got promoted to bartender a year later and I was just surrounded by all these pros. Yeah, it was crazy. Then two years after that, I was head bartender. It was just like, I don't know, looking back, it's just really, really wild. But the other thing is, you know, you, you, when you're a bartender, you don't just bartend, you create drinks for the menu. And so I immediately got into that. And I feel like, I don't know, it just, there was something about it that I, re I really enjoyed. And we changed the menu a lot. And I just, uh, when I became head bartender, it was my job to create the menus and curate them. I didn't know what I was doing and just like trying everything, any idea you could think of. It's like, and some crazy things really works. Like I made a drink with sugar snap peas called the green giant still on the Clover club menu today. It's like my claim to fame. 
Um, you know, like uh, I joked, like my tombstone is going to say, like, I put sugar snappies into a drink in 2012. But then like, you know, I did well, so what kind of drink was it? That's what it- it's a gin sour. It's like so it's gin, sugar snappies, tarragon, dry vermouth, lemon, simple syrup. It's so good. But then I was like, you know, really high on my like creative like genius or whatever. And then I got like went and tried to make like horseradish cocktails and like or like barbecue sauce. You know, I was like, what other crazy culinary flavor can we, you know, and they were really, really bad. So uh, but I just learned I like just took every I did a parsley drink that was awesome, but just did not sell. You know, I just I I've really just got Julie gave me endowed me with this this playground to just sort of see what worked and. I was the beverage director there for eight years. So I guess, but the key thing, this like social hour sort of overlaps this though, because I was promoted to head bartender and then, you know, 2012 and uh, I had just gotten married six months before something like that. And then a couple months in to being head bartender, we found out Ellen, my wife was pregnant. And so it was like crazy because up until that point, I was like, again, probably like a little full of myself, you know, I was like, I'm the head bartender of one of the best bars in the country. Cause yeah, Clover Club was like on, I think it was like number four on GQ's list of best cocktail bars in America and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm the best bartender in the world. And not really, but you know, um, <laughs> feeling like I was doing well. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I'm still just bartending like and i'm about to be like a dad and like in 2012 there was just it was still early in this cocktail boom where there wasn't a clear pathway to like what does this career look like long term like i knew i didn't want to bartend forever i didn't want to be coming home at four in the morning like you know four nights a week so immediately my wheels started turning of like what is next like what is beyond this um like what's the next step and social hour is kind of came out of that Well, I kind of feel like there's this aspect, too, where you were figuring it out a little bit. Like, you kind of made a YouTube channel that only has a few videos on it. And then... tell you, like, yeah. And then the website. website? Yeah. Yeah. The website, I want to talk about this because it is absolutely incredible. And, like, as a bartending resource, if you all just are curious about bartending and stuff behind bartending, go to TomMacy.com. That's T-O-M-M-A-C-Y.com. The amount of... You have so many different cocktail, like, just regular basic spirits on what's on there. And then... Deep dive. And, like, (laughs) to everything. But, like, super things about, like, how to make a cocktail. 11 simple tips for better cocktails. How to build a bar. Like, what are your essential tools? Ice chilling and dilution. Like, the... Oh, my God. I wish my wife were here. Because, like, she... (laughs) That was so that was like you rein me in of like how much you do or don't want to hear everything. But it's like it's like so, yeah, I have this thing. of like, what am I going to do? Yeah. in like 2000, this is 13 now when well, our baby was Willow was born in 2013. But sort of that whole time, I'm like, what do I want to do? You know, and I, I loved teaching people to make cocktails. I started doing cocktail classes at this like local sort of it was basically a kid, a cooking store that had a place for classes in the back and they did cooking classes. I started doing cocktail classes, was really into that. I loved engaging with people and like enlightening them. Cause there was so, there's just so much easy stuff with cocktails that people just don't know, you know? And like, even just like thinking of like whiskey, you know, you're like, check it out. Bourbon is a type of whiskey. Bourbon and whiskey are not different things, you know, like <laughs> blowing people's minds, you know, like stuff like that. And I really enjoyed that. I felt like at the time, and I think I'm right about this, there weren't great resources on the internet. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to become this I think at the time I was doing using like Mario Batali is I probably wouldn't do that now, but like as like I'm gonna be the Mario Batali of cocktails, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna do demos and I'm gonna write books and whatever. And so I uh yeah, the 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 YouTube videos, that was a company called Howcast, all those videos all in one day. We banged out like 30 videos in a day. That was cool. Um, but I didn't ha- I wasn't able to keep building it, you know. I was way too much of a perfectionist. Like I wanted things to be well produced, like looking back, if I could go back i'd be like tom like set up your iphone camera in your kitchen and just talk you know but anyway so then i was like i'm gonna make this website database and again if i could go back i'd be like tom just start write one post about your cocktail and post it and then go from there but i wanted there to be this framework of like all the tools all the techniques all the bottles first and then add the recipes and link to all that stuff i set out to build this platform and i dude i like spent I don't know. It was multiple years of like writing this book essentially and posting it, learning how to build a website on Wix. Like I just, uh, you know, I had no one to help me. I wanted to do it. And I just, 
I just did it. <laughs> it didn't, I didn't make any money off of it. Well, I'm proud of it. But uh, yeah, so I was figuring that out. And, and then in the back of my mind was I had, I, I guess all during all this time back in 2013, one day I was making a gin and tonic in my kitchen, making my wife and I gin and tonics and like micromanaging like every element of it. Cause that's what I do. I'm just a perfectionist. As I was saying, I was like perfect ratio, the, the perfectly carbonated, the small bottles of tonic that are chilled and carbonated and, or, you know, optimally carbonated and the chilled glass, the frozen gin and like you know, making it absolutely perfect. And I was just thinking like, it'd be a lot easier if this was all pre-mixed and fully carbonated to the nines. And I could just throw like a bottle of a fully mixed gin and tonic in the freezer. And then I was like, why doesn't that exist? Makes no sense. You know, like both ingredients are shelf stable. Like it, and then I just started searching around and that was the sort of the first sort of tugging on that string that eventually led me to social hour. Well, and the crazy thing about like TomMacy.com and all that, like nowadays that would be content that you would profit off of. And I also say this knowing that I, I know because it's kind of your baby yeah. and you want to put it out there and it, it wasn't necessarily about making money. I, mean, I wanted to make money. I guess I still like, I don't know. I mean, I, it doesn't get a ton of traffic. I honestly, like, I think what happened was I'm good at creating things and not as good as like knowing how to like sell it to the world. You know, what happened is during the time, you know, as you know, the, the internet age has just evolved so fast. Like I think, you know, 2000, what Instagram was launched in 2012. Maybe I think I read it an article about what's it called the food blog 2006 smitten kitchen yeah um i read an, an article about her and i was and at the time in 2012 or 13 she was just like crushing and she was like this this 500 pound gorilla on the internet and i was like i'm gonna do that and by the time i launched the website which was 2016 christmas of 2016 i realized sort of after a few months that the world had changed and food blogs were all instagram content and like the they're so annoying those those food blogs were like how do you make meatballs and then it's like let me tell you about my grandmother you know <laughs> and it's just like and it's like 20 pictures that you scroll through of like the how to make toast the breadcrumbs and you're like just give me the recipe but that's what food blogs and all that had become and tommacy.com and actually the website was called socialhourcocktails.com because the brand i was going to create was around myself was going to be social hour like that was my spin kitchen because social hour the term is the was what my parents and my family all call cocktail hour at like family gatherings like my grandparents used that term and so that was like totally this aha moment where i was like oh social hour because it, i mean i still love it it, it it suggests or, or, or like it kind of acknowledges the joys of drinking cocktails are about the kind of celebratory convening that happens around them and not necessarily just the drinks. Well, and I think you skipped to the best part. And I do love that about your family. Thank you for adding in the thing yeah. about your grandparents, like a food blog. The right. I did it. I did it. Oh, snap. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I had no, to. No, no, but you're right. <laughs> but your website does bring back memories because it has the old Russell's Reserve bottle style. And I'm like, man, yeah. those bottles were so good. But the Oh, man, I, I haven't looked at it in a while. But yeah, I was just taking bottles from Clover Club's liquor, you know, liquor room and like bringing them home and taking pictures of bringing them back. So yeah, there's a lot of old designs on there. The Plymouth Gin bottle, I think, is old or maybe not. But anyway, yeah, totally. But it's what? I was going to say is when it comes to that content, like back in the day, you could have Smitten Kitchen and you could make money off of it. Now it's, you have to do Smitten Kitchen. You have to do in-home tastings. You have yeah. to do virtual tastings. You have to do recipe consultation. You have to do like, and your income stream that's why people go like, why don't you go full time with dads and not to bring us into it? It's like, because in order to make the amount of money I make in my day job now, I have to do 10 things. It's not one job, it's 10 jobs. And the way around that is having a brand because then it's like, okay, the culmination of that. And you've been talking about that the whole time, but also like bringing it in at least from somebody who understands it and can like logistically bring the listener there. It's not just like you had this idea. This idea has been festering in your head. You've wanted to do it for a long time. You thought you had to take these other steps to get there. You didn't at the end of the day, though, because like the one constant, and I don't want to tell your story because I want to know how this happened, but it seems like the one constant is like after you got hired as barback, jewelry really just believed in you and eventually yeah. helped you get to social hour cocktails, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I guess it was right at... 
is pretty soon after the website officially like launched, which was basically me sending an email out to a bunch of people being like, I made a website. That was like 2017. So what happened with Social Hour was that like, I started talking about bottled cocktails in like 2013 and really was more like I wanted to do it and the bar, like I just, I wanted that perfect gin and tonic in a bottle, like just for myself, you know? And so I started like playing around with like CO2 tanks and carbonation and bottling and just really for the bar. And we we did put a bottle gin and tonic on the menu. Didn't really move. Like people didn't really get it. They're super labor intensive. We were like, you know, you turn it, you, you screw on the bottle and you shake, you turn on the gas, you shake it. We, had, we were doing it three times, like releasing the gas, do it again three times to get the level of carbonation we wanted. So not very sustainable. But then the next year we opened a bar across the street called Leenda. I became a partner at Clover Club in 2014. There was, that's a whole other story. Their sort of lead investor partner, that partnership sort of soured. And there was this Honestly, a, a, a not super amicable takeover by Julie and her, uh, the current GM. I mean, it was the best thing for the bar. It was not a fair situation. And her wife, Sue, um, who uh, is, you know, behind all the great things Julie does as well. But they, I got an opportunity to become a minority partner in Clover Club. The next year we opened this bar across the street because this great opportunity with a new space came up, Leanda. Um, and that's more of a Latin themed bar. And for that, I had really been still tinkering with this carbonation and all that. I wanted to do a Paloma, a bottled Paloma. I don't even remember how this happened, but I like had an idea to like blend. I was like using essential oil and I like was stirring it into the tequila, the grapefruit oil. So it would be shelf stable, like no juice, you know, no grapefruit juice or anything. And it tasted amazing, but it would like separate. And then I had the idea to like put it in a blender, the oil and the tequila, and somehow it worked. And we had this like incredible bottled Paloma and, and it became, it's still on the menu. And I think that was a moment where everyone was like, oh my God, like if you could sell these at a store, you know, and uh, that was when everyone, they were like, this is better than a real Paloma you'd make from scratch. And, and that was when everybody, I kind of had everyone's attention. So then it was still <laughs> another two years. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I was just, uh, they call it getting, apparently I didn't know this until we did a, another podcast with Julie. Cause Julie is a partner in social hour. I mean, it's my big Maybe, but yeah. she is affiliated. Uh, we were in a, a different podcast interview and Julie t said how um, any of the, it's Julie, our partners at the bar, whenever they would get stuck, basically what I'm doing to you is just like vomiting all of my thoughts. When I'd be telling them all the stuff about the cocktails and what we have to do and the canning process, they'd, be, they'd call it getting canned by Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know that. And like, and then Julie didn't realize it, didn't know. And she like mentioned it on this podcast. And I was like, what? But uh, yeah, I was, I was going around just canning everybody all the time. And eventually, though, they just they couldn't ignore me. And I, I got in touch with a lawyer that Nicole Austin put me in touch with. And that was a huge moment in 2017. I was like, I want to see if I can actually do this. Because I still, I thought there was maybe just some legal barriers that would not make it possible. And this guy, Ryan Malkin, plug for Ryan Malkin, a beverage alcohol lawyer. He's the man. If you want to know anything about compliance and legal stuff in the alcohol space, Nicole put me in touch with him and hit that first conversation. He's like, oh, this is how you do it. You probably want to get a contract manufacturer. You source the alcohol. You, you know. And then you do it. Um, he's like, or, or you open your own distillery and do it that way. But you probably don't want to do that. And he basically laid out the broad strokes. And that was early 2017. And at that time, because of the Paloma and the gin and tonic idea, I was like, okay, social hour. I, we didn't know it was called social hour at that point because I was still trying to do the website. But the bottled cocktail project is going to be, you know, a Paloma, a gin and tonic, a whiskey ginger, maybe a rum and cola and a vodka soda. That was the idea. You know, had conversations with him and eventually, do you know Alan Katz and the all the New York distilling guys, New York distilling company? We haven't had them on. I know who they are, but we haven't actually right. had them on. Alan is... He's very, uh, you know, active in, in the cocktail world as well. And he and Julie know each other. So they have this, this distillery, New York Distilling Company up in Williamsburg. They make gin and they make whiskey. It was just, it was a natural, you know, he was like, well, if we're going to source spirits from somewhere, we'll see if Alan wants to, maybe he'll supply us. 
anyway, th- we asked him and he said, yeah, absolutely. You know, basically. And then it was just figuring it out from there. I mean, I could go through all the steps. It was a lot more steps. It was just, uh, just one problem to solve after another. How do you formulate, you know, all, all of those things. So this is what was told to me. I I did have another RTD company on the show Uh recently. And so they said, there's basically a formulator. So you give the recipe and that formulator tries to recreate it in a can Uh in a way that like, makes you happy so there when you say there's a lot of r&d and a lot of testing and all that well um so i'll do i'll give you the quick version for once um so alan put us in touch with a flavor house called wild flavors and yes they this in this case they make the flavors and they do formulation it was a real i had no idea how lucky i was at the time because he put me in touch with this woman who is like basically this flavor house will take on like pro bono projects where they'll develop your product, but then you buy the flavors, you know, and that's why it's worth it to them. And so they cherry pick projects that they think are interesting. Um, I did not know how, <laughs> that's how not how it typically works. So I was just on the phone with this woman who's like, this is like a billion dollar company and just be like, yeah, this is how it's going to go. You know, <laughs> like so I basically pitched her the idea and uh she uh i guess pitched it to her people and they thought it sounded interesting and so we got this opportunity where we were able to they formulated for us um you know we didn't have to it was initially free of charge which is crazy (laughs) crazy dude and the other thing that's really funny about it is that because i'm me you know when i make cocktails at the bar i'll make a i'll make an old-fashioned 40 times to find the perfect old-fashioned recipe you know and that's how i wanted to approach this and it you know they didn't the gin and tonic didn't taste right. And I would go back and be like, maybe this, maybe that. Like, I don't know how to make cocktails in a bottle or like how to tweak it. I know how to get in there with and get my hands dirty, you know, but that's not what I was doing. I was like giving them notes and getting samples back. We did this for like a year and a half and like, or maybe more until the gin and tonic, I felt good about finally, um, because I had this guy our project manager with this guy, I'll give another shout out, Bob Bloom. I don't know. He treated me like a, he was, he was, you know, was essentially my dad's age. And like, he treated me like his own son. He kept going to bat for me and getting me more and more rounds. I think he just was sort of fascinated by like the fact that I was never happy. We flew under the radar somehow. They, they eventually cut us off. They're like, no more, no more tweaks. You're done. Thankfully, I was happy with the gin and tonic. I was happy with the whiskey mule. I was not happy with the Pacific Spritz. So now we're in like, <laughs> this is getting, this is like 2020, 2019, 2020. I don't even have to go in. We raised some money. We were, we were like weeks away from running production. I'm not happy with the Pacific Spritz. You know, I don't know what to do. I have the batch sheet. I have a calculator. I have the ingredients, the flavors. I had samples and I just like started doing math. And I was like, you know, down to it's a thousand gal, a thousand gallon batch. Right. I was like, I, I did division down to like one cans worth, which is eight ounces. And so the flavor amounts are down into the microliters, which is a, a microliter is one one thousandth of a milliliter. But you can measure a microliter with a micro pipette that you could buy on Amazon. And so I just like like the carboning, the shaking the bottle with the CO2. I just like made the recipe myself with a gram scale, sugar, acids, flavors. I had the the wine and it tasted like the thing that they made in the lab for me. And so then I realized I could just tweak that. And I did that. And I like redid the Pacific Spritz recipe myself. And like, and that is the product that is on the market now. So basically since then, I like don't use a flavor house. Um, the, the prize fighter, the Sunkiss fizz, the Alora spritz and the harvest whiskey sour were all formulated in my parents' basement. <laughs> I just, I just basically figured out how to, cause it's not that hard. It's just, it's just math and, and, and measuring. I'm able to get samples of flavors and other ingredients that you can, that are self-stable. And now I'm just in this process of like, when you learn to bartend, you just, you try out recipes, you taste your way through ingredients, you get your arms around them, you learn how they work. And now it's what's so great is that I can apply what I was doing before at Clover Club, experimenting, seeing what works, but in this new format. And so as opposed to saying, I'm going to make a gin and tonic, this is what I want it to be like, here's my recipe, go. I could just be like, let's see how yuzu and peach and key lime are together. And they're apparently, turns out they're great. And that's what our Sunkiss Fizz is. But that was just an idea to try. And so now I'm like, yeah, I'm just, uh, so formulation is all done in house. That is amazing. Like that part of the story is so good. And it's 
totally just like cracking the code. If you yeah. care about it enough, also like you're you being such a one man team, like yes, yeah. there's other people there, but pretty much me. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I mean like Julie, right? But Julie's not going to go here. in and Julie's not going to go in and, and develop the recipe with you. No, no, no. She's here. She's she's holding it down. Well, she's really holding it down at the bars. They're opening a new bar. But yeah, I've I'm the I'm the guy that walks the street, bothers uh you know buyers at liquor stores and stuff like that. Do you still do stuff with the bars, or is it just I I help with um menu. They have a creative director that now does like the menus and stuff at the bars. But I definitely help out. I come and do trainings. Yeah. I like come to do R and D sometimes with, with staff, but it's really, it's not really very much. I, since we, well, I was saying this to you before we started, but we moved out of the city during COVID with uh, my family of three little girls and, and my wife, the, we moved in with my parents just north of the city. Cause you know, COVID New York city apartment, no bars, no school, three kids, seven and younger. It was not great. So, um, and we were just about to launch Social Hour. So we moved here in June of 2020. And just the way the timing worked out, Social Hour launched a month later. And then, as you know, the RTD category has just exploded. And it was exploding all around us. And it was just like, I felt like I had to just go all in. And I, I wanted to, you know, I've been working on it for years. I was, I just, I really wanted to give it my all. So I'm in a, a privileged situation where I can stay with my parents, which helps us, you know, save money. And and so I, you know, can like not make money from my uh, startup. But, you know, there's another, like, I also look at it, it's, it's pretty insane because, you know, COVID set this situation in motion. But the reality of, is that, like, I quit my job, uh, moved in with my parents, with my family of five, and like to do my startup when I'm like one year away from turning 40. So <laughs> that. That reality, like, definitely weighs on me every moment of every day. But I also feel like what sets your company apart, and I've had my fair share of RTDs. There's a couple that kind of try to recreate what an actual cocktail would be, but there's not many. You know, a lot of it's like, here's some seltzer, here's some vodka, here's some seltzer, here's some tequila. They're basically a seltzer. They're a cocktail-like, but a lot of them are... I mean, the easiest uh, distinction is that so many of them are a 12-ounce sleek cans or beer cans and 5% ABV. And like, that's one of the things I always say. It's like, our gin and tonic is an 8.4... Well, I'll say if you make a gin and tonic from scratch, it's two ounces of gin, maybe like five ounces of tonic water, some dilution from ice. That's going to be about eight ounces and it's going to be about 11, 12% ABV. That's just what the, how the math works out. And so our gin and tonic is an 8.4 ounce can and it's 11.5% ABV. Tanqueray, not to throw, I mean, look, doesn't mean it's a bad product, but their gin and tonic is a 12 ounce can and 6% ABV. To make that gin and tonic from scratch is like, what 0.75 ounces of gin and 11 ounces of tonic water you know it's like it's not a drink anyone ever would ever make in a bar anyway and that's what social hour is all about it's like a one-for-one replacement for a cocktail made from scratch i love that so much i love that i want to do and like i said sometimes it's a gin and tonic it's 11.5 percent sometimes it's a whiskey sour and it's 20 percent you know it's just and there's so much like i said with the r d thing that's where i get in trouble because it's like i have just so many so many prototypes ready to go but you know you can only put so many we have too many skews as it is do you think you would do more skews or are you honestly i mean just because we're talking freely like i kind of like i haven't told too many people this and this isn't like a controversial thing but like i sometimes think about condensing our skew lineup i would love to do sort of things that the breweries do where they come out with seasonal you know new stuff every it'd have to make sense economically but obviously but i'd love to do more fall cocktails or like a spring inspired you know i've got i have a tequila cocktail i have this like watermelon gin and tonic riff that's like super cool yeah no i mean i i have no shortage of of recipes well, what I find that's kind of interesting, it's almost like you're building it like a spirits brand rather than mm-hmm. building it like an RTD brand. So you, know, you have your LTOs and then you mm-hmm. also have your mainstay. So it's like those LTOs could be those limited offerings where it's like, hey, guess what? It's fall. Here comes whis- you right. know, Harvest Whiskey Sour. That's the whole idea. I mean, you know, hopefully, I mean, right now my mission is to sell as much Harvest Whiskey Sour as I can and impress, you know, Dickel's parent company, Diageo. Yes. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and uh, you know, see if they'll perhaps let us play around some more. Well, what uh, I will say is, Diageo, if you're listening, it is really good. Like I've had RTDs, and I think I should also mention that I have looked for different RTDs because I, it's convenient, right? Like you're golfing, yeah. you're going on vacation, like logging. Yes, are there companies that are making all sorts of stuff that make it easier to travel with liquor? Yes, like there are brands that make specific three ounce travel containers so that you can you know take oh, them yeah, on the yeah. plane you could do all sorts of stuff but to be able to have something like this and go and travel and be like you know what i know i'm gonna have a good drink yeah no i know and and right that's the idea right it's like all those places where craft cocktails would be really nice to have but you don't have a bar and a trained bartender you know at the ready so you know hotels and music festivals and all those stadiums obviously airlines it's just the category right now is i mean it's saturated but it's also very immature in the sense that like no one knows what the hell is going on you know like from the producers to the distributors to the consumers to the retailers like there's so many different products and they're all so different and like and i don't blame anyone for not understanding why at face value any Anyway, looking at it on the shelf, why my gin and tonic is a true gin and tonic versus like the Tanqueray one is is not what a real gin and tonic would look like. I get it. Like, why would anyone know what the real ABV of a gin and tonic is? You know, <laughs> I learned like, something. I mean, and I was a bartender, right. but like the fact you have it down, it is really cool how much you have this down to an actual oh, science. I yeah no I mean it's sort of you know it's like all I've thought about for like the last few years and it's so like I said it's it's just really exciting some of the stuff that I've been able to like figure out just because I think that there's not a lot of people doing that just saying like can we do tiki drinks or like can we do cream drinks you know and the answer to both of those questions is yes you know it's just about honestly for me it's just about I need to, you know, focus to build the brand to the point where we can afford to start playing around because we we can't now. Like I said, we have too many excuses. It is my like CFO, you know, who he, he that's the one I do have someone helping me on the finance side of things, and he's just like, I don't want to hear about your prototypes, you know, like. <laughs> but there is something to be said, and the problem I think is for a bartender at one of the best bars in the whole entire country. You had so many things at your fingertips, and it yeah. is very easy to. To be like, I want to have a hundred skews because oh my God, if I could, yeah, like let's do a last word, let's do a you know a green point or yeah, I'll tell you, my my dream is to basically have I don't know how many skews, but like we have the because we were talking about the size of the harvest sour can. I admit it's too big. It is too big. It's just that's the can we have. And but it's also you're not at a place right now in the development of your brand to mess around with different exactly. cans. It's like, listen, I buy in bulk because that's the only way I can get a deal. But exactly. just hear me out. Hmm. So where you say you want to condense the skews, right? Yeah, I, I'm having a thought that, yeah. Also, you were the manager. You, you were the head bartender. You had mm-hmm. to develop menus. So it's yeah. not necessarily condensing the skews, but you have a whole winter menu, a yeah. whole summer menu. So it's like the skews stay the same and not just having like LTOs. And I was kind of like thinking about that as we were talking where I mm-hmm. first suggested the LTO thing. And you know, obviously it's your company. I'm canning you right now, but yeah, yeah. You have your winter menu, you have your summer menu, you have your, your spring menu. And then you just kind of sit there and say, okay, during the summer, we have these six. Right. And then yeah. if there's any left in the store, great. Like, or maybe you have your mainstay of like, you're always going to have a whiskey mule. There's like there's three or something that are like all year round. And then some of them are seasonal. Yeah, no, I've definitely thought about that too. I was going to say what I would love is to have, I mean, yeah, somehow work out the skews. There's still a lot of work to be done for our, RTDs in the fall and winter. Just I think that market needs to be built up. But I think once people figure out that, you know, you could have something like the Harvest Whiskey Sour, that audience will come. But I would really like to have, you know, so there's 250 ml cans, there's 200 ml cans, there's 100 ml cans. Those are the permitted sizes for the, by the TTB. We could have all our long drinks, gin and tonics, Collins's, and the 250, all the sours in 200, and then any old fashioned Manhattan and Gurney stuff rips or whatever in the 100 mls that would and like because then it would be the serving size would be right all riffs not no i don't know if i really want to do classics i want to kind of i like the idea doing riffs more but that's the dream that's when diageo is like what when they say 
blank check. What do you want to do? That's and what I'm going to say. You're like, I want to stay here. I want you to pay me to do recipe development and I yeah. want you to buy my company. That yes. would be awesome. <laughs> like, this is what I would like. <laughs> right. I, I would like to be able to put my kids through school. Exactly. And... I'd like to be able to pay myself something uh, after two years. It's all good. It's all going to work out. What um, about, you know, because and where I find it interesting, at, at least with you know, the fact that you are your own formulator, you are doing all that stuff. How are you finding ingredients that can then have the shelf life? Because, you know, I, I know the shelf life is over a year for these drinks. Yeah. How are you able to do that? That and harvest still- hour you have, I think, is actually from last December. Yeah, I looked at uh, it first. I checked the date before I, I yeah. took a sip. No, no, I mean... It- because I, I, we did make some more, but I think what you have is the last run. I had one of those, uh, I think, on Friday or Saturday just to see. And I was like, yeah, this totally still, still tastes good. No, it uh, does. And I have and ice in my mouth now. But that's what I'm super jazzed about because, like, that's lemon juice, you know, like that uh, is, no, I think, no small feat to have a, you know, and then obviously I, you know, I have little tricks that I've figured out that I don't tell anyone, obviously. I'll say this. Using real lemon, like fresh lemon juice or even pasteurized juice goes bad and really doesn't taste good. And that's what most companies do, I think, or a lot of them do. And I don't know if you've ever had like a cocktail, an RTD that has like the oxidized juice in it. It gets really bad in the in the package. And I just from the beginning, I was like, I never want to do that. Even if there is a three month shelf life or something and it's on the package, I just never want my product to have the potential to taste so horrible. But uh, it's like I said, I mean, I, you know, the flavor business, there are some really, really good flavors out there. Some of them are really not good where we sometimes source like liqueurs and and uh, like the, not in the Harvest Sour, but um, like the prize fighter, we have a peach liqueur that we brought in from France that I use at the bar a lot. And I was like, oh, I wonder if the guys at Massonet would be interested in selling in bulk. And it turns out they were. Again, it's this kind of this little bit of a wild west, you know, where it's like no, the rules are still being written as to how this industry, the RTD world works. Like I said, I do a lot of messing around. There are concentrates, there are extracts, there are single strength juices. And I, yeah, I just mess around. And I feel like I have this from all my years at the bar, tasting cocktails, I sort of describe it as this like internal like tuning fork where I just kind of like know what it's supposed to taste like. And I can just rely on that. It's a lot of drinking sometimes, <laughs> you know, like your I've wife comes like, downstairs. What are you doing? I'm working, honey. I'm working. Well, it's hard. I really like um, what last fall or last summer when I, when we were finalizing the Harvest Whiskey Sour, I mean, I was just drinking them every night and, and like you can't, I've learned at the bar, it's different because you know, you, you straw taste, you can always tweak a speck, you know, like, like actually, you know what, we're doing a heavy quarter of some maple syrup, not instead of a, a regular quarter ounce of, you know, of maple syrup it, with the RTDs. It's like, once you set that recipe, that's it for your thousands of cases, not thousands. I don't know how to make thousands of cases of anything, thousands of cans. I've learned you have to like drink, kind of got to experience the whole thing, uh, like recreationally. And that can be hard, but that is so what I've learned. You got it. That's, that's what the process is. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to drink the cocktails. You just have to. What I would say here, and you know, obviously wrapping this all up soon yeah. and, and we will definitely talk again. Like I, I need an update. I need to know what you end up yeah. doing with the menu. Know that you have a friend on Dad's Drinking Bourbon. I'll totally keep you posted, man. I'll, yeah, yeah. Uh, and when you I'll, come to I'll, Nashville, we'll go to like Attaboy. We'll go to some yes. nice cocktail places. It, it'll be great. Yeah, I got to visit Nicole anyway. And yeah. Come down here. We'll get Nicole. We'll go to like Pearl Diver, Chopper, Attaboy, all sorts of good cocktail places when around town. When I'm coming down for my big, you know, meeting uh, with the, you know, the Diageo suits, uh, you know, not that it would, I don't know why it would be in Nashville. Probably New York. You'd probably just go right to New York. I don't even know where they... (laughs) But all the distributors, I mean, if once you start making more of this, right now, these are available in a whole bunch of states. It's Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Idaho. Shipping. Shipping. We're only selling the Harvest Sour in New York, um, just because that's the deal on the shelves. 
but we can ship it if you go to the site socialhourcocktails.com like it's available now and until we run out we only made a couple hundred cases so i will gladly pay if you want to send a couple down here to nashville because tennessee is not on the yeah. list but i know that I don't. That's not e-commerce. Is a whole other podcast. Yes, it is. But uh, wink, wink. You're not going to send it yeah. to Tennessee. But in closing, yeah, yeah. the the thing I want to say here, and and I think it's people that are have been in the industry and have worked at a bar. It's like when someone's like, "How? Why are you tipping that much?" or something like that. And it's like, yeah, if you if you were in the industry, you'd know. Like, there's all sorts of little winks and nods to people that have worked at a bar, worked at a restaurant, have had to bar yeah. back, have had to host, have had to jump on the line. Like whatever it is, there's so many aspects of the service industry that if you've been in it, and I'm reiterating this purposely over and over, you know, there are so many RTDs I've had. Trust me, Tom doesn't have enough money to pay us. Like if you're wondering if what I'm about to say is like, Tom's got a family of yeah, five yeah. living right. in his parents' house. Like Tom ain't paying me shit. I don't have sponsorship yet. <laughs> but what uh, I will say is there is an attention to detail and a love in your RTDs that can only be appreciated by people who have lived it and people who appreciate the actual craft of bartending. I know as someone who's been there, but like I not as good as you. I'm not a tenth of as good as you, but I think your love for the craft comes through in your cocktails because of the way they taste and because you work and you are obsessive to get yeah. that flavor in there. And you know, if anybody's ever wondering, like if you're in the industry and you're like, shit, I can't find an RTD anywhere, check out Social Hour. I really do mean it. Like these are the best tasting RTDs I've had, with the exception of one, the Jim Beam Bourbon and Ginger. Just oh, it's not try it. It's totally like one you're gonna have at the pool and the golf course and stuff. Like yeah. it's not this. Hey, and listen, like I, I, I mean it genuinely. Like all those RTDs that are like not real cocktails, like those are totally acceptable, fine drinks and products. You know, it's just like that, and yeah, it's all good. It's just that again, we are just trying to do real cocktails again, as if they were made from scratch. Yes, but you do a great job. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, as you, yeah, no, the obsessive is the word. Like initially, we actually we didn't even get to this, and it's fine. We changed the package like nine months into the business because we realized that like our like white whimsical cute can that we designed in 2019 was now what every can in 2021 looked like <laughs> so we changed it to i love what it looks like now it's just it's still pretty and cute but it's like more serious you know and it's i love the color. different colors that it's not just yeah. white right it was just opposite of that solid dark colors but anyway the original can had on it a tagline on the top on it called obsessively crafted, <laughs> which we took out. But that was my, my nod to myself because it's true. Like, uh, to, yeah, to a point where I, it's like almost a little bit weird how obsessed I am with these, with these products. Well, we but, appreciate uh, that you are. And Tom Macy, thank you so much. Go to socialhourcocktails.com. Also, just because he put a hell of a lot of time in it, go to tommacy.com too. You might actually learn a little so bit about much. bartending. My email, like, there's an email link on both of those and like the email link on the social hour cocktails site just goes to me. But if people have like, how do you make this drink? Or what do you think about this? I'm making a, co you know, I love questions like that. And I always respond. So uh, if you have a cocktail nerd question, please feel free to send it my way. Tom, thank you so much. You can go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Please leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Tom, thanks again. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This was awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.